chapter 10, working our way through Paul's uh, letter to the Corinthian church, we call 1 Corinthians. And you'll recall, just as a way of reminder, that Paul was reminding uh, the Corinthian church how important it was to have unity in the church. Uh, He spent several chapters and several, a good while now, talking about uh, this issue of how we use uh, the importance of unity and how we use the liberty uh, that we have in Christ. Uh, he reminds us, as we are reminded of often on Veterans Day and Fourth of July and holidays like that, that freedom is a wonderful thing, but freedom is never free. It always costs you some, someone something. Uh, just let you know, say, you know. Well, I want free health care and free phones and free this and free that. It, it may be free to you, but somebody had to pay for it. Uh, and so um, Paul reminds us of that. And as he begins to wrap up um, this argument about how we put others first and how it's important to remember uh, to use our the freedom that we have not to promote ourselves, but to promote Christ and to promote the growth of our fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord, not to lift up and puff up and promote ourselves. Uh, And so we want to begin reading in verse uh, 23. Paul says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify." Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. And there he brings this back, and this is why we know that you know these last several chapters are connected. Verse 25, he says, Eat whatever is sold in the meat market, asking no questions for conscience' sake, for the earth is the Lord's and all of its fullness. If any of those who do not believe invite you to dinner and you desire to go, eat whatever is set before you, asking no question for conscience' sake. But if anyone says to you this was offered to idols, do not eat it for the sake of one who told you. And for conscience' sake, for the earth is the Lord's in all of its fullness. Conscience, I say not your own, but that of the other. And maybe it would be good for you to take a little pen or a pencil and underline verse 29. Conscience, I say, not of your own, but that of the other. For why is my liberty judged by another man's conscience? But if I partake with thanks, why am I evil spoken of for the food over which I gave thanks? Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense, either to the Jews, or to the Greeks, or to the church of God. Just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they might be saved. Imitate me, just as I also imitate Christ. Now I praise you, brethren that you remember me in all things and keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you. But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. But 
But every woman who prays or prophecies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. For what that is one and the same as if her head were shaved. For if a woman is not covered, let her also be shorn. But if, but if it is shameful for a woman to be shorn or shaved, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God, but the woman's the glory of man. For, for man is not from woman, but woman from man. Nor was man created for the woman, but woman for the man. For this reason... The woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is man independent of woman, nor woman independent of man in the Lord. For as woman came from man, even so man also comes through woman. But all things are from God. Judge among yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him? But if a woman has long hair, it is glory to her, for her hair is given to her for a covering. But if anyone seems to be contentious, we have no such custom, nor do the churches of God. Paul is beginning to wrap up this point of uh, using our freedom and liberty and, and seeking after uh, others to seek unity, to be united with Christ. And um, so he, he really is giving a, a testimony, reminding them, listen, it is only by grace that we are who we are. So the fact that you're living, the fact that you're saved and being, can come together and come before God is by its own self grace and mercy and that grace and mercy was not of yourself but it was from God just like your salvation is not yours none of us can earn our salvation salvation as we talked about in Sunday school this morning um, in my class and Elisa's class and maybe the class that you were in uh, that great that salvation comes by faith it is a gift of God, lest any man... It's not of works. But because we are saved, because we've received that gift, there are some works that testify to the fact that you are saved. And part of what testifies that you're saved is you do not seek your own. You do not say, well, I demand my right. Preacher, I demand that Martha Jordan sing every Sunday because I want her to. And I don't want her to sing that old stuff. I want her to sing, you know, some some good stuff, some new stuff, some, I don't know, uh, stuff. And, and well, see, that's what they, you know, Martha may not want to do that. And so we, we can attest of whether we are walking in the Lord or not, are we demanding our own way? Are we looking out for others? And are we saying, you know, what would bring God most glory? And what would help people come to know the Lord and be saved? Because that's what it's about. It's not about getting our way or having our agenda win over somebody else's. 
It's about people coming to know the Lord. Title this night tonight's message um, by your grace and for your glory. Gold City, uh, a number of years, uh, came out with a song by that title. And here's some of the words from it. It says, where would I be without your love? What kind of life would I be guilty of? If not for your redeeming hand that reached so low to raise me up and let me stand. By your grace, for your glory, I am here to tell the story. Of all the doors you've opened for me that I might give, that I might love, that I might live by your grace and for your glory. Russell's going to learn that song and sing it for us in a few weeks. I'll get it for him. Have you heard it? It's a good song. Um, For some reason, I thought somebody in our church already sang it, but evidently not. Uh, But Paul... Uh, is reminding us uh, here in this text that, listen, it is important not that we get our way. What's important is that Christ is lifted up and things that we accomplish, we're able to accomplish for God's glory. See, our job is to be glory reflectors. And the glory that we're to reflect is not our own. And it's not even each other's. The glory that we are to reflect is the glory of God Almighty. And so that's what Paul's point is. And so he says when you get into these little arguments, should I eat this meat? Can I buy meat that's in the meat market from an idol? Or am I, you know, headed to hell if I do? Is it? And he turns into some other illustrations. Uh, Even gets... Uh, in the the question in, into the issue of of men and women in, in, in their place and um, you know and part of what Paul is saying is, is cultural uh, but part of it is um, that he, he's making a point he says some kind of off the wall things as far as we're concerned and probably as far as the Corinthians were concerned but he says it to make a point. And we'll get to that point in just a minute. The first thing that I want us to see, point number one, if you're taking notes tonight, is that we bring glory to God when we choose others. That's what Paul is talking about in chapters 8, 9, 10, and 11. And even in chapters 12 and 13, when he begins talking about spiritual gifts and love, um, he's still talking about this matter of choosing others. He's saying, listen, I want you to, listen, he says, I can do anything. I'm free to do whatever I want to do. But not everything that I can do is good for me to do. And so I probably shouldn't do it. But he says, not only is things that I can do not good for me, things that I can do are not good for others. And if they're not going to be good for others, they're not good for me either. It goes back to earlier in this chat when we talked about being a stumbling block. Putting, you know, pulling someone else from the faith or hurting someone else's Christian walk. And so he says, listen, it brings God glory when we say, you know what? Yeah, I can do, I have the right. 
to do this, but out of respect and out of love and consideration for others, I'm not going to. Now, if you live in um, you know, an apartment or, or even in a house, you, you have neighbors. And you might have a great big stereo. You might have speakers bigger than what we've got here at the church. And, I mean, you could really make your house, you know, rattle at turning on that, on that stereo and turning up full blast and turning the bass, you know, all the way up like Danny Jordan's prone to do sometimes. And he might just make it rattle, you know. And, well, you can do that. That machine is capable of doing that, but is that very wise for you to do that? It's probably going to ruin your eardrums, but it's also going to disturb your neighbor's. And so using that illustration, Paul would say, you know what? You could do that, but probably best if you don't. And so he says, listen, when you choose others, when you choose to put others before yourself, you're glorifying glorifying God when you do that. Because that is not something that comes to any human being naturally. How do we behave when we are carnal? When we're behaving in the flesh. Just think about a two-year-old that's playing with a toy in the nursery and somebody else comes in and wants to play with that same toy. Do they say, oh, here, let's share and play together? We all know the answer to that is no, they don't. They say, mine, mine, mine! That's the way the world operates. The world operates that it doesn't matter who you have to step on or knock down To get ahead, you worry about you. But God says, no, that's not how my people behave. My people behave in such a way that they think about others. And by the way, that's Jesus' example, isn't it? Jesus was king of kings and lord of lords and still is today, and yet that king of kings and lord of lords that had as his palace the, the streets of gold, the wonderful uh, images of heaven that we sing about, that's where Jesus lives. And yet he came, lived in a carpenter's house, was born in a little town, in a barn, what well, well, really was a cave, on the side of a mountain. Why did he do that? Because he gave of himself. He thought of me and he thought of you. And he thought of all the whosoever's in the world that if he didn't come and lay his life down, we'd spend eternity in hell because there'd be no way we could get to heaven. And so Paul reminds us here in this section that we glorify God when we choose others. But then secondly, he says we bring God glory When we choose Christ. He said, listen, you look out for others. You set your rights aside. But then in verse 1, which really belongs in chapter 10, you you know that when Paul wrote this, he didn't write it in chapters and verses. Many, many years later, uh, some men came in and divided it up for us. Thank goodness, by the way, that they did. But they got some things not quite exactly in the right place, but... Certainly, verse 1 begins or continues the thought of verse 33 in chapter 10. 
He said, just as I choose to please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they might be saved. And so he says, imitate me just as I imitate Christ. He says, just as I'm walking after Christ and I'm following after his example, you follow after me. Let's get on the same path. He's not lifting himself up saying he was perfect. He's not saying that. But what he is saying is, listen, as I'm following Christ to the extent that I'm living my life for the Lord, you try to do the same thing. And that word that our English translations uh, translate imitate uh, is the Greek word mimic. Uh, And so, you know, when we uh, probably were little, especially if you had a sibling, uh, you know, sometime or another, you got in a fight and you started, you said everything that that person said. And just to make them mad. And, you know, after a while, it was kind of funny, you know, and comical because the more you did it, the madder they got. Uh, but the, and then when mom stepped in, put her foot down, and then it wasn't so fun anymore. But uh, so that's the idea. Paul saying, "Listen, you, you follow what I'm doing." Paul was the one again. Remember that had led most of the people in this church probably to Christ. He planted the church and then stayed there for a number of months and discipled them and taught them uh, how to live the Christian life. And so he says, "Remember, remember what I've taught you." Remember what's important. Remember, it's not about you and getting your way. And so I said, you know what? I try to put everybody else first. I I try to put myself lower down on the list in priorities. Not so he's lifting. He's not lifting himself up. He's not lifting himself up as a perfect example. He's not lifting himself up at all. But he's saying, as as I've been molded by Christ, you try to follow in that same mold. You try to follow after Christ too. Because Paul wasn't following, and he wasn't trying to become a better Paul. Paul was on a journey to become like Christ. And so it didn't matter that, you know, he had to go places he didn't necessarily want to go. And as we saw last week or the week before, that there were maybe even some places he wanted to go that he couldn't go, that the Spirit forbade him to go and send him somewhere else instead. Did he stay home, throw a pity party and whine and cry because he didn't get his way? No. He went off to Macedonia and planted some churches over there. And so he says, listen, remember that we don't follow after a preacher's image. Although, you know, we, we should listen to our preacher. We should uh, respect it, you know. But understand also he's not perfect, just like Paul wasn't perfect and just like you're not perfect. But not put someone on a pedestal. You shouldn't try to follow after any person except Christ. Christ is who you should seek after. We all know uh, some people that they bounce around to churches wherever a pastor goes. Uh, there's followings that if he goes to a church in the same area that there's little followings that follow him along like little ducklings and wherever he goes they go that's not good that's not scriptural we say well you know i don't ever want anybody in our church say well 
This is what Brother Aaron says, so it must be right. I try the best I can to search the scriptures and to preach them correctly. But I shouldn't be the one you're striving after. The one you should be striving after is Christ. Hopefully that's who I'm striving after, so if we're on the same road, we're hopefully headed in the right direction. So Paul says, listen, you follow this example. Be put in the mold, in the image, not of Paul, but in the image of Christ. And that's what God is doing with us. That he's making us in his image. And the more we serve him, and the more we walk with him, and the more he you know, takes a chunk off here and chunk off here the more we begin to look like Christ so hopefully the longer we walk with the Lord the more we should look like Christ but I've known some people who say they've been Christians for a mighty long time in fact longer than I've even been alive but sadly their Christian walk doesn't quite look like Christ because they're pattering it not after Christ, but after some preacher or some te- Sunday school teacher, or you know, mom or dad, or not that you know we don't have role models and that we look up to people. We should, and we should admire people that have been faithful servants to the Lord. We should be what God wants us to be. We should you know follow after folks, but remember that we don't become many whoever's we're to become like Christ and so then he gives this final example and he really get, and I'll tell you there have been some sermon we could take a month and talk about these verses in chapter 11 and still not be any clearer on them than when we started I mean people have really done some doozies and taken the scripture way out of context. I've heard sermons that it's wrong for men to have long hair and women ought to have long hair. So a lot of you would be in big trouble. But that is not at all the point that Paul is trying to make. I've heard sermons from this passage of Scripture that women ought to be subservient to men and that they had no place in in the church and that they shouldn't teach and they shouldn't pray and they shouldn't do this and they shouldn't do that. Because a woman is from man. That's true, isn't it? Didn't Eve come out of Adam? He did. But Paul also makes the point that every one of us since then has popped out of a woman. And so he says, listen, it's not about what sex you are. It's not about how many X chromosomes or Y chromosomes you have. What matters is who's the Lord of your life. And so the point that Paul's making is do not argue and get caught up in these petty ante feuds and fussings and troublemaking. He said, if you, eat me, if you want to eat meat and you can buy some that you can afford, eat it. If somebody invites you to their house and they set it before you, 
eat it. Unless they say, you know what, this is from the temple. I got it for a real good price. Here it is because they're probably testing you to see if you're going to eat it or not. Then Paul says don't eat it. Not because you can't. Not because it's going to kill you. Not because it's going to condemn you. Because it will hurt the work of God in that other person's life, who's probably an unbeliever if they're testing you like that. And so it will hurt your witness. And so Paul says don't do anything to hurt your witness. Just because you can do it, if it'll hurt your witness or hurt somebody else, don't do it. And that's why he says, listen, so have you've heard him have this big fuss. And by the way, women's right, you know, women livers have been, this has been an argument mankind has been having for centuries. Women's lib is not a new Fangled idea. It's been around at least since Paul's day. They said, listen. If a woman wants to wear a hat, and by the way, according to this scripture, women ought to be wearing hats. We made the comment, and we've talked about it several times at Coles, when we get shipments of hats in. I don't know why we get shipments of hats in them, because they never sell. Because women don't wear hats anymore. And and somebody asked, hey, doesn't the Bible say something about women having wearing hats? And I had an opportunity to open the door and say, you know what, the Bible does say that. And so is every woman here tonight sinning? No, because that wasn't the point. The point Paul was making was that tradition and culture is not what determines if something is right or wrong. What determines if something is right or wrong or not is does it bring glory to Christ. You know, if we were in a culture, and there are some cultures in the world today, especially in the Middle East, ladies, if you didn't have something on your head, you'd be in big trouble. And so when we send missionaries to those places, which we have to do kind of covertly anyway, most of them, guess what those Christian American women do? They put on those crazy, you know, I don't even remember what they call but those shawl things over their head, the turbans. Uh, not turban, that's not the right word. but Yeah, shrap, there you go. Uh, put uh, shrap, you know, that head covering. that they. Why? Are they free? Not Absolutely they are. But I guarantee you there's not a Muslim woman that would even talk to a woman that didn't have her head cut. But by that American Christian being respectful to the custom of that culture, guess what? They're able to make some inroads. Because human beings, it doesn't matter what country you come from. Human beings are human beings. And we wrestle with a lot of the same issues and problems and temptations and trials. We have common experience. By the way, that's because we come from a common creator. God Almighty creates all life. All life is a gift from the hand of the Almighty. 
Now, does that mean that all life honors God? No, it doesn't. We all know that there's plenty of atheists in this world. There's plenty of Muslims in this world. There's plenty of people that you know, worship trees and have all kinds of different gods. But the truth of the matter is God made every single one of them. And God gave every single one of them uh, a God-shaped hole, if you will, inside of them that they're yearning for something beyond them, something greater. And that something greater is Him. And so Paul says, listen, you take the opportunities that God has given to you and you be a good witness. And you use opportunities that God gives you to talk of God's love and God's grace. You defer your freedom for the benefit of others so that they might come to know the Lord. Because in the grand scheme of eternity, it doesn't matter how many times you got your way or how many times you didn't get your way. In the grand scheme of eternity, what matters is that people came to Christ. And maybe you helped bring some of them there. And so Paul um, will continue this, by the way, when we talk about the Lord's Supper uh, next Sunday night. But so... Paul is saying, listen, your job is not to demand your rights. Your job is to bring God glory in all that you say, in all that you do. Whatever you do, Paul says here, do for the glory of God. Not the glory of your pastor not for the glory of your church, but for the glory of the Almighty. Because that's what truly matters in eternity. And I hope God will help us to do that. Let's stand together and we'll be dismissed.